and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. <laughs> we are your... I hope that got picked up well enough on the mic. Um, we are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be celebrating the snowy season by looking at the 2006 film, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. You okay? Okay. Okay. I'm just going to quietly <laughs> laugh over All right. here. All right. Um, in, in this series, which they do that in the movie. He, like, that's how the movie starts. And I, I was like, I, did, I had that in my notes before that happened, but I was just like, oh, that's perfect. Um, in the series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and giving a score to the film. So welcome to Tim Allen Month. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Which I really pushed hard. I tried to convince Ashley to make it a whole Tim Allen Month. We're she, not doing she, Tim she Allen. She didn't go for it. I was like, I was like, we could do Christmas with the Cranks. We can do that weird El Camino Christmas movie on Netflix that he did. I mean, we still could, yeah. technically. Well, I like to imagine that... I don't, I've never seen Christmas with the Cranks, so I don't know what that's like, but I saw the El, I happened to go over to my mother's house and her and her boyfriend were watching, I think it's called El Camino Christmas, I could be wrong about that, but they were watching it and it's this Christmas movie that takes place in Arizona or Utah, one of the southwestern uh, states like that, even though Utah's not really south, but you, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> Yes. Um, desert states, um, maybe New Mexico, but <laughs> I'm sitting there and it's a Christmas movie and I'm watching it, it has Tim Allen in it, and about 40 minutes into it I go... This is the weirdest Santa Claus sequel movie I've ever seen. And my mother cracked up and Joe had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, oh, Joe, Tim Allen did all those Santa Claus movies. And he was like, oh, that's right. I was like, yeah. And, but anyway, diving back into this. The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause is a 2006 American Christmas comedy film directed by Michael Lembeck. It is the third installment in the Santa Claus franchise following The Santa Claus, 1994, and The Santa Claus 2, 2002. The film features Tim Allen returning as Scott Calvin, who must find a way to reverse a spell cast by Jack Frost, portrayed by Martin Short, that caused him to lose his title of Santa Claus. Allen and Short had previously worked together in the 1997 Disney comedy film Jungle to Jungle, which I remember I've seen that, but I can't remember for the life of me what it's about. Most of the uh, supporting actors from the first two films reprised their roles, with the exception of David Krumholtz. As a result of his absence, Curtis, portrayed by Spencer Breslin, who had previously uh, been the assistant head elf, has now been promoted to Bernard's former position. Sadly, this was Peter Boyle's final film to be released before he died from cancer, one month after its release. The 2008 All Roads Lead Home would be released posthumously. The film had a budget of $12 million, or $17.7 million today, it was released in theaters on November 3rd, 2006 in the United States and grossed $110 million worldwide, or $161.9 million today. The first two films had become box office successes during their opening weekends, but The Santa Claus 3 was beaten by Borat, great success, for the number one spot. <laughs> no, no Borat either. It received negative reviews from critics, with Rotten Tomatoes calling it a bag of bland gags and stupid slapstick. The film was nominated for five Golden Raspberry, or Razzie, awards. Worst Actor for Alan, Worst Supporting Actor for Short, Worst Screenplay Couple for Alan and Short, Worst Prequel or Sequel, and Worst, I believe that's supposed to be Execution, but it says, oh no, Worst Excuse for a Family, uh, for family Entertainment. The film was released on both standard DVD and high-definition Blu-ray disc on November 20th, 2007. 
no laser disc, sadly. The, <laughs> the tie-in video game was released on November 1st, 2006 for the Game Boy Advanced, developed by First Playable Production and published by Buena Vista Games. Oh, in fact, there's a video game. <laughs> there's also a book, a novelization. Oh, I didn't include it, but basically the only difference between the novelization and this, Bernard's in the novelization, and he has some of Curtis's lines. Curtis still is the one that tells Jack about the snow globes. Bernard doesn't do that, which I think is very in keeping with their character. And evidently in the novelization, Curtis does it out of jealousy for Bernard because of Bernard being the head elf. It's not like a ploy to, you know, yeah, um, screw over Scott or anything. It's just he does it out of because he's jealous of Bernard. Like he's like, no, I'm important. I know it. And then also, I believe I could be wrong about this. But I believe at the end of the novel, um, Bernard is actually the one that gives the hugs that warms Jack's heart instead of Lucy, which I think makes less sense. It should have been Lucy, but it's fine. Weird. Um, All right. Yeah. Directed by Michael Lembeck, written by Ed Decker and John J. Strauss, based on characters created by Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick, produced by Robert Neumeyer. Brian Riley and Jeffrey Silver, edited by David Finfer, music by George S. Clinton. Production companies are Walt Disney Productions, Outlaw Productions, and Boxing Cat Films. Distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. The runtime is 92 minutes. The film stars Tim Allen as Santa Claus Scott Calvin, Martin Short as Jack Frost, Elizabeth Mitchell as Mrs. Claus Carol Calvin. Judge Reinhold as Neil Miller, Wendy Crewson as Laura Miller, Liliana Mummy as Lucy Miller, Alan Arkin as Bud Newman, and Margaret as Sylvia Newman, Spencer Breslin as Curtis the Elf, Eric Lloyd as Charlie Calvin, Aisha Tyler as Mother Nature, Peter Boyle as Father Time, Michael Dorn as the Sandman, Jay Thomas as the Easter Bunny, Kevin Pollock as Cupid, Art LaFleur as the Tooth Fairy, and Abigail Breslin as Trish. Very nice. I I don't believe Trish had a huge role in it, but she was um, obviously, um, what the heck is his name? Spencer Uh, Breslin. Yeah, she's Spencer Breslin's younger sister, and she's become quite famous in her own regard. I would say eclipsing his level of fame. But let's go into the plot. And I wrote down a note here saying, so the opening credits actually have Tim Allen doing his signature, ho, ho, ho. And shaking a Disney snow globe. Nice touch. (laughs) And we have that Scott Calvin slash Santa Claus is having difficulties managing Christmas this year. His wife, Carol, is expecting their first child, which was due a week ago, and is afraid that he will be making deliveries while she is making hers. Surely they could have planned having a baby around him going away to the North Pole. Yeah, you know. I'd... Guys, don't have sex nine months before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that would be March. Um, his off-season, I guess. Would be I guess. That. Yeah, I don't know. But And they don't have condoms in the North Pole or anything, evidently. No birth can... I mean, I guess the elves... Well, there's a lot of elves running around. They could use them. <laughs> but... Right. Wanting her to feel more comfortable, he invites his in-laws, Bud and Sylvia Newman, up to the North Pole, along with his ex-wife, Laura, her husband, Neil, and their daughter, Lucy, to keep Mrs. Claus company. That's something about this summary, too, is it kind of jumps back and forth between plot points. It doesn't really follow the exact narrative of the film, but it covers it all, so it was fine. I I kept this one. And I have a note here saying, The last movie had Carol as a white-haired older Mrs. Claus. 
but now she's younger. Perhaps since that appearance was in the end credits, it's non-canonical, but more likely they wanted a younger, more attractive woman to be pregnant than a white-haired old lady. That would be my thought. Also, I thought it was weird that she aged like that, because, like... Well, he ages. I mean, he ages, but I don't think he aged like that much the way she did. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I guess you're right. While Curtis, who is now the head elf, does point out the SOS secret of Santa, Scott agrees to help Carol. Which, thank God the movie said that because the summary just had SOS. I was like, what's the SOS? Um, But Curtis actually says SOS, secret of Santa. I was like, oh, thank you, Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) Scott agrees to help Carol. Meanwhile, Scott is summoned to a meeting of the Council of Legendary Figures, consisting of Mother Nature, Father Time, the Easter Bunny, Cupid, the Tooth Fairy, and the Sandman. They show him a cardboard cutout of Jack Frost that reads, Merry Frostmas, as Frost himself arrives. So I have two notes here. The first one said, It's weird that Scott reacts to the Council of Legendary Figures coming to the North Pole with confusion. They're here, was his line, and he said it very confused. But they met in the North Pole in the last movie, so I don't know why he was so shocked that they would come to the North Pole again. But also, like, again... Like, surely this meeting was planned, too, somewhere along the line. I don't know. And then Scott calls the Tooth Fairy the Molinator, and I wrote, nice callback, you know? These movies do do a good job of consisting with, like, what was established in previous movies. I gotta give them credit Which is why I'm excited for watching the series, because I hope we get a lot of, like, weird callbacks. I have that in my overall score. (laughs) Besides Father Time reminding him that he heralds the season and not a holiday, Mother Nature accuses Frost of attempting to upstage Santa by freezing a volcano in Hawaii, making it snow in the Amazon, and making it cold in Mexico, thus sending the geese back up north for the winter. All the other legendary figures agree that a punishment needs to be invoked against Frost, with the idea to suspend him. He tries to explain to to them his desire to be more than an opening act, and more like a holiday figure because of his potential. Jack expresses jealousy over everything Santa gets, and Scott brings up the part with the in-laws during the argument. Cupid recommends the escape clause, which he declines. When Jack asks what that is, Father Time tells him that he would know more about it if he attended the meetings more often. And I have a note here saying Father Time's line about Jack not attending meetings, a little line to explain why he wasn't in the last movie. I liked that. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, they're addressing it. (laughs) Jack just doesn't show up a lot of the time. But also, if Jack Frost here, surely there would be plenty of others, too, like mythical legendary creatures people yeah I think. We, like because we have mother nature father time like jack like there would like, like having somebody like jack frost well, seems so cupid is here yeah. so the greek pantheon exists in this world presumably i guess because or is there's cupid the roman version i don't I know remember. i don't remember but yeah but either it's the same gods just different names um except for apollo he's the only one that has the same name across the board i don't know why but scott reluctantly agrees to let jack frost not be suspended and be sentenced to community service with a warning to him that if he does anything wrong on his watch, he is gone. He helps to disguise the North Pole as Canada for Bud and Sylvia's arrival. Scott manages to get them to, quote-unquote, Canada, with the help of the Sandman. So I have two notes here. The first one saying Scott's line about Jack being a Jack Frost of all trades, and I wrote it's an unintentional uh, graveyard book reference. Obviously the graveyard book came out after this, but... I was just like, oh, Jack Frost of all trade, you know. And, eh, anyway, moving on. And the second note here, I wrote down, also, say what you want about Martin Short's overacting in comedies. Personally, I find him very funny, but his makeup and costuming in this film is fantastic. His overacting is good. 
Also, I just, I hate the idea that they're like, we're just going to pretend they're in Canada. Like, what have they thought their daughter's been doing for the last 12 years? Yeah. Like, this is what kills me about this. Like, what did we think our daughter was doing? We just let our daughter go to Canada and we haven't really visited her. And like, what do we think is going on? Also, their family, can't they know? Like, yeah. their in-laws. It's not like, Neil can know. Yeah. <laughs> Neil and Lucy know. And they're not like related to Scott directly. No. And Scott told, <laughs> told Carol before she married him, obviously, and everything. So she knew. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on with the rules there. Or, like, why it's uncomfortable even... that they don't, like, they don't want them to know. But like, Tell these people. They are literally your family. Yeah, even further on, spoilers for the rest of the film, I guess, Jack takes the North Pole public. Like, he turns it into an amusement park. Yeah. When he becomes Santa Claus. So th- what's this whole Secret of Santa BS that, that, that these movies have in them? I don't know. However, Jack, who wants to have the power and influence of Santa, starts off by tricking Curtis into telling him what the escape clause is. Which he doesn't really trick him into it. Curtis just kind of gives it up. Next, he starts to ask Carol, who is picking out a Christmas tree, if becoming Mrs. Claus is worth it, to which she agrees. During the conversation, the Miller family arrives, and so do the in-laws. Jack decides he must take more drastic action, so he goes around the North Pole and uses his power to create technical problems with some of the equipment. And I have the note here saying Carol's line of saying, oh, tall people, when she sees Neil and Laura actually cracked me up. I think it was the first time that I audibly laughed in the, in the movie. And my second note says, I happen to notice that some of the elves were dressed in black and white striped outfits. Are they elf prisoners? Maybe they are. Maybe they're just emo goth elves. Yeah, like they're on a work release program or oh something. God. I don't know. Well, you know, if the Greek or Roman pantheon exists in this, maybe the uh, Norse pantheon exists too. And they're dark elves. They're not, you know, regular elves. The shop flies into chaos and many gifts are destroyed. And Scott is faced with the possibility that there will not be enough toys for all the children in the world for Christmas. I believe he specifically says Australia. (laughs) Like, he's like, that whole continent isn't getting anything. Jack talks to Curtis about the Hall of Snow Globes and discovers that Scott can be used to activate the escape clause, the most powerful one of all. This one can help the current Santa escape from his job as Santa if he holds the snow globe and says, I wish I had never become Santa at all. The escape clause is triggered, and he can return to the point where he became Santa and prevent the event from occurring. Scott takes a quick break to show Lucy the Hall of Snow Globes and gives her a magical one that shows her hugging a snowman, which turns pink because her hugs are filled with love and warmth. And I have a note here saying that the Red Deer energy drinks actually made me chuckle as well. Like the little, obviously it's Red Bull reference, but it, it cracked me up. As they leave, Jack sneaks in there and steals Scott's freezing Neil and Laura when they catch him, and nearly doing the same to Lucy before choosing to put her in the storage closet instead. And I wrote, okay, so locking Lucy up with her parents' frozen bodies. That's pretty dark. It is. (laughs) After further attempts at sabotage, Jack manages to enrage Bud and Sylvia and gives Scott a gift as he talks about his frustrations. Not realizing what he is doing, he... he is persuaded into uttering the escape clause while opening his gift and taking out his snow globe. Jack and Scott are sent back in time uh, to his front yard, where 12 years earlier, he caused Santa to fall off the roof and donned his suit to become the new Santa. And 
I wrote a note here saying, I think the main reason that people trash this movie is because it take uh, it is halfway over before it even gets to the point of the movie. It has a lot of setup. It really it. does. Yeah. And a lot of scenes that are But real. also, I think the minute time travel enters is when people go... Could, it could, I mean, go. you know, if what you, you want to talk about Avengers Endgame, like mm-hmm. the, the one of the biggest movies of all time that had time travel as the to main be crux. Fair, I've never seen Endgame. Mm. Well, technically, Marvel movies are Disney movies. Maybe we'll do them, you know, 14 years from now. <laughs> when, Maybe. Um, but I, I just think it's a, a lot of setup to get to the crux of the movie. You know, it, it could have been. 20 minutes. We could have cut the in-laws storyline out, you know. We could just... Again, because it's stupid to have the in-laws story because we're playing the, oh, but he's not Santa, but why? Yeah. Like, none of, the, none of these people need to be up in the North Pole right now. Yeah. Jack reaches the suit before pre-Santa Scott can even come out of his house to repeat the events from the first film and puts it on to become Santa, knocking out the present Scott with a shovel to keep him from interfering in Jack's attempt to change the timeline. And I have a note here saying, so the coat uh, from the time travel scene is incorrect. We pointed out in the original Santa Claus movie how cheap the first suit that Scott wore looked. It was tied with a sash, not a belt, and other details about it were off. Kind of a small nitpick, but I noticed it. Yeah, that's true. Scott is sent back to the present day where his non-Santa life is a disappointment, as he has been the CEO of his old job for the past 12 years and even works on Christmas Eve. He drives over to Laura's house, who treats him very coldly, and explains that she and Neil got divorced, revealing that the new timeline has effects on other people as well. Scott also learns that he and Carol never got married, and that she moved away years ago because uh, there were not enough local kids in the town to terrorize, or something. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Laura then gives Scott a magazine that shows the North Pole billed as a resort, which he recognizes as Jack's handiwork. He flies there via commercial airliner and is stunned at what he sees. As the new Santa, Jack has taken the commercialization of Christmas to uh, to the extreme by transforming the North Pole into a tourist attraction where wealthy parents can pay to have their kids put on the nice list. In addition, Christmas is renamed Frostmas. The elves are miserable, unlike the happy, productive workers they were when Scott was in charge, and all the reindeer are confined to uh, are confined to a petting zoo. And I wrote, this is another scene that pads uh, the movie time. Scott seeing what the North Pole has become under Jack could have been about 30 seconds, but the movie takes about three minutes to show off how miserable the elves are. Also, and here's my note about it, what about the secret of Santa? Why can Jack go public with the North Pole and everything? Like, I'd really like to know if we get answers to that in the TV show, too. Like, if we get, get hmm. more on, like, the secret of Santa, why Jack was able to do that. I hope we get Jack at all, to be honest. Yeah, like, I, I would enjoy Santa. I don't I don't know if Martin Short is billed to be all involved in this, but, you know, that would be a nice, pleasant surprise. I know. Well, I, what I know about the TV, I haven't watched a single episode yet. Because at the time of this recording, I think the first two there's episodes only three, are out. The third one came out, too, now. Oh, I think too, and so there's I only think. three? Or... No, I think oh, okay. there's going to be more, but there's three as for, so far. Okay. Well, I would I... imagine there's going to be, like, six. Yeah. I haven't watched any of it yet, so we'll have to, we'll have to see what comes up in the show. But I, I am interested in, in watching it. I have, to, I have to be honest and say I want to see where this goes. Scott eventually finds Neil and Lucy, although they are not too happy to see him. And Neil states that Charlie didn't want him to be his father, causing his and Laura's divorce. Scott confronts Jack with what he has done and claims his vision of Christmas is not what the holiday is about. 
but Jack reminds him that he is the one who said, I wish I had never become Santa at all, and invokes the escape clause and invoked the escape clause to begin with. And I have a note here saying, I think Short's makeup as Santa is cool too. It's a blending of his Jack Frost look with Santa. Yeah, I had that note too. All of his costuming, it's great. Yeah, except the end. I didn't like the end, <laughs> I have to be honest. Scott convinces Lucy to sneak up, uh, to sneak into the Hall of Snow Globes and bring Jacks to him. He interrupts a musical performed by Jack when Lucy tosses him his snow globe. And I wrote, so obviously there's nothing nefarious about this, but I got a weird vibe uh, um, from Scott saying to Lucy, hey, little girl that barely knows me, want to ha- see a cool secret? There's a hidden room of pretty snow globes up there. I need I need you to help me to get something fr- from it. It just, like, creeps me out. It's like, yeah. like, it's not like the relationship that they have in the real timeline, I'll say. Yeah. Because, like, she, he says he's her Uncle Scott, she calls him. Yeah. Like they, have, they have a relationship. This, it's like, oh, yeah, you're my half-brother's biological father who doesn't spend any time with him, and you... Wanted, Don't spend any time with me. Yeah, You've you, met me like once. Yeah, you want me to go to this secret room? Like, uh, like it, it was just creepy vibes. From, and obviously, you know, Scott's not doing anything nefarious, but it was just like, oh, this is kind of like. There's been weird in, involvements with Scott with like elves in the past, and now we get this weird one here with Lucy. I was just like, this is uncomfortable. But realizing Scott's plan, Jack mocks that Scott will never convince him to evoke the escape clause. But Scott plays a recording of him saying, "I wish I had never become Santa at all." when he said it to him earlier. Jack screams in fury as the escape clause is invoked, and he and Scott are whisked back into the past. Scott holds Jack down while his past self finds the suit and puts it on, like in the original film, restoring events to the way they were. Jack screams in anguish as his alternate timeline is erased, and he is stripped of Santa's powers. Back in the present, Scott, which I found it funny that past Scott never didn't. See, they were five feet away from him, and he didn't see or hear them. Like, yeah, that's things like, that like I think like the whole idea that like, well, the future is going to be exactly the same because like, that would never happen. No. Like we've gone back twice now to make changes. Yeah. Like but we're not the getting the exact effect. like yeah. the butterfly. We're not getting the exact same things happening. Like there's no. got to be some change, and there's not, and it's that's something I don't like. Yeah. Back in the present, Scott reunites with Carol even though no time has passed since he left, and he promises to make her life better. He then shows Bud and Sylvia the truth about his workshop, where, despite Jack's sabotage, gifts are being manufactured and will be ready on time for his deliveries. To his surprise, Charlie arrives and helps the elves out, as does the Council of Legendary Figures. It seems things are going perfectly until Curtis comes in with Lucy, who is locked in the closet, and both, Neil and both Neil and Laura are wheeled in, frozen solid. Jack is also dragged in by the <laughs> elficers, officers with the word elf, and he refuses to undo his spell on them. By unfreezing them, he would have to unfreeze himself, and so they will be frozen forever, leaving Jack smug at thinking he still won since he may have lost the chance at being Santa, but he still has Neil and Laura as a consolation prize. Can we talk about the fact that, like, he can unfreeze himself, too? Like, that's just a random thing he can do. Like, that seems very antithesis to Jack Frost as a character. Like, odd. Odd that that's, like, a thing. Yeah, I have nothing really to say about it. It is. I just agree with you that it's odd. When Scott asks Mother Nature to help him out, she reminds him that the abilities of legendary figures will not work on others. However, he has an idea. He tells Lucy to give Jack one of her heartwarming hugs. Full of love and warmth, it changes him. 
melting his clothes and hair from icy to normal and breaking the spell around Neil and Laura. Everyone, including the defrosted and reformed Jack, celebrates with a hug. Which I I didn't put a note here, but I don't like how it's just Martin Short with pointy ears and a white yeah. suit now. I feel like he should have like still had the white hair or something. Like it could have been not spiked. It could have been like combed, like how it is. But I, I was just like, mm, he doesn't look like Jack Frost, and like, you know, like it's just like a guy. Yeah. Like I, I don't know, because he's. I, also, I don't know. I don't like the. And Lucy can just hug people now, and like, yep, yeah, that's a thing. Well, she she must be the heat miser. Jack was the was the snow miser, oh and she's God. the heat miser. Carol suddenly announces that the baby is coming, and luckily Scott is there as he promised he would be. She has a boy and names him Buddy, which is the long ver- uh, which is the long version of her father's name. And I have my final note here says this is the only Santa Claus film not to end with Santa flying off into the night sky riding his sleigh. It started with that. He flew in at the beginning, but also I hate the name Buddy. Yeah, it it kind of invokes Buddy the Elf, like the Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, um, which came out, I believe, after this. I'm not sure, but I don't know. And either way, I'm like, why are we always going with Buddy for Christmas movies? Can we like find something else? Like reminds me of Air Bud, like Air Buddies. They like they should have named him Jesus, <laughs> the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> she just gave him a really boring name that it's like that's nothing to do with Christmas. They should have named him Bernard. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Bernard. Yeah. Bernie. Little Bernie. Little Bernie. But um, anything else you want to say or should we go into our overall scores? I think we can go into our overall scores. Would you like to go first? Or... Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, for me, you know what? I think this issue suffers from the same thing I feel like a lot of the Santa Claus movies. The first one also suffers from the issue of like we take forever to get to the plot. Like the actual point of the movie. Like because we spend had the first half of the original Santa Claus like and we're just realizing that Scott Calvin is a terrible dad and a terrible person. Like, that's it before, like, even the plot happens. Mm. Like, and even then, we spend a lot of time after that not really getting into the meat of the plot. Same thing here. We just, it, it's how they all are. Like, they're just not, I hope with it being a TV series, then they have more time that they, like, condense the episodes down into being able to tell like a better tv show than they can in a movie yeah because i think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in every single one of these movies it's just not i don't think this movie is nearly as bad as people think i think martin short is great in it again i would hope he makes his cameo in this television series i gave it a six out of ten okay and i wrote down that i just want to say that i think this movie isn't as bad as people say it is it's not great or anything, but it's fine. Something to put on as background noise during the holiday season. As previously said, I think one of the reasons people didn't like this movie was because uh, half the runtime of this movie is just setting up the conflict, and lots of scenes go on longer than they need to, and the second half is rushed to fit in the res- uh, to fit the resolution in. Also, people complain about Bernard not being in this, which he is missed, but I think it serves the plot better uh, not having him there. Bernard was more efficient than Curtis. And I would find it hard to believe that he would just tell Jack Frost everything about the snow globes. I also don't think there would be as many problems with the production lines and everything yeah. if Bernard was there. Um, I mean, the reality is he's not there because of aging, uh, he, I assume. He, no, he was uh, shooting the movie, or the TV show Numbers. Oh, and is that the, it? Yeah, he's on the TV show Numbers, and he couldn't like get away to film this. 
It's um, fine. He's he's definitely coming back for the TV show. I know yeah. that. So and apparently they've already mentioned him a few times in the first couple episodes. He's not there yet, but I know that they've mentioned him. Oh, they're building up so his they're, appearance. They're, they're building it up. Oh my! They're gonna make him the next Santa. That's how it's gonna result. Well, that would be odd. Uh, and anyway, getting back into my summary, I don't think any of the performances are worse than the previous films, or even that bad, to be honest. And the storyline itself is fine. It's obviously influenced by It's a Wonderful Life, another Christmas movie, but a poorer version of it. And I have to say, I'm interested in to see what they do with the Santa Claus's TV show. I know that the premise is that Scott is going to retire and is looking for a new Santa. If the show sticks to following the established canon as well as the movies did, that perhaps there will be some conflict between Charlie, who said in the first movie that he wanted to go into the family business, and Scott and Carol's son, Buddy, who was born and raised in the North Pole. All in all, I think the movie is fine, and I give it a 6 out of 10. I'd have to say that the Santa Claus 2 is my personal favorite in the trilogy, the Escape Clause is my second favorite, mostly due to Martin Short, and the Santa Claus, the original, comes in last place. Wouldn't it be funny if Buddy doesn't even want to be santa at all like he wants nothing to do with the north pole he wants to be the east he wants to be the molinator no he just like he just wants to be normal yeah and charlie's still off somewhere like i love that is a little like jaded but still like has the spirit of christmas in his heart yeah yeah i don't know i i, I now that i just thought of it they're probably gonna just make bernard be the new santa at the end of it that's how it'll that would result. be interesting too yeah. but yeah i don't know if elves can be santa i don't know either well, no, because uh, Jack Frost has pointed ears, so he's All an they say in the first movie about what happens, it's either when they die or when they decide and, like, when they can no longer do it. Yeah. And, like, my understanding is that it's not just that he need, wants to retire, he has to because he's slowly losing his Christmas magic, um. is my understanding of what's happening in this series. Okay. Well... Well, we'll check it out, and we'll get Maybe back to... Maybe it'll be female Santa Claus. Oh. I mean, that is the kind of, like, oh. we're doing, if we're going, and, like... And then people will be like, oh, woke Disney. Woke make, Disney. Making Santa a woman. Meanwhile, Tim Allen's, like... Yeah, yeah it's a Tim Allen project. It's, Tim it's not going to be female he's Santa like the Claus. Le- he's, yeah, yeah. he's the least woke human in existence, <laughs> yeah. but okay. Which, actually, I did watch a couple episodes of the first season of um, Last Man Standing. Yeah. And it was interesting because... He brought his politics onto the show, but at the same time, he was always wrong. Like, he like he was always like, oh, you know, men are better than women, but the episode always showed him that he was wrong, and he learned from it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, this is interesting, because it's his show, and he's like... And it's his politics. Yeah, and it's, he's saying things that he really does believe in the show, but the show is showing that he's wrong, and he's fine with that. Like, it's, it's not like how when they brought back Roseanne how she became a problem and had to like they had to kick her off the show like he was he was like no like you know um i'm wrong like even though this is what i believe i'm wrong like it it was weird maybe it was just hey whatever for a paycheck man you know maybe cocaine and alcohol aren't gonna pay for themselves i'd like to see the like later ones because (laughs) when i think of like because disney and abc were in charge of the original yeah Oh, that's seasons true. Seasons of Last it, Man went, Standing. So yeah. I'm wondering what the later seasons are that's like. That's true. I, I didn't when think When it was that. no longer owned by them. Because that's where you'll get more of the meat and bones of what, like, thing. That's true. I think you have to remember that. Like, we're sitting here saying, like, oh, there would never be a female Santa Claus. But this is also a Disney project on yeah. a Disney platform. Yeah. And I think, you know... There's a good chance they go. It'll be a black lesbian female <laughs> Santa Claus. 
No, I'm not no. saying that, but I do think that'll like be the first openly gay Disney character for the 400th time. <laughs> yep, that'll be. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, I guess that's all we have to say about this. All right, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, have a wonderful day, and remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Stiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.